0: Ladies and gentlemen, Will Ainsworth here, Head of Growth and Training at Open, and welcome to yet another episode of the Better Agent series. Uh, For this episode, uh, I'm joined by McGrath, Paddington, and Queensland's top-selling agent, Alex Jordan. Alex and I have uh, known each other from the days I was at McGrath. Um, He's obviously still at McGrath and absolutely dominating the real estate world. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Paddington is a suburb of Brisbane. Is that correct, Alex? It is, yeah. We're about two kilometers from the CBD. Awesome! And uh, before I get underway, mate, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, how's things with you? Pleasure, mate. Yeah, well, thank you, mate. We're
1: lucky in Brisbane. It's a beautiful day here, sunshine, and we've got some freedom to enjoy.
0: So, yeah, everything's well. Yeah, can't complain. Very well done. Um, Now, my my first question for you is: um, you look pretty young, but you've obviously been in real estate for uh, about two decades now, which is no small feat. What what's been the most rewarding part of being an agent over that period of time? Yeah, I've been doing it for 22 years. I started when I was
1: 18 and I'm 40 this year. Most rewarding, but like the job has, there's a, there's a lot of emotion in the job that, that I've experienced and some days are harder than others. But overall, I think there, there's a real excitement when you get to help someone either on the sell or the buy side. I don't think it's just one sided. Like when you see someone really happy with what's happened, whether it's they're excited about the new house that they've just purchased or a seller is really satisfied with the outcome and relieved. And those emotions really, for me, make it worthwhile. I go away and I feel very proud and satisfied when I get that reaction. And I really, to make me feel better, I need that reaction because if, if I don't get that positive response, even doesn't matter what the outcome is. Like even if it's beyond expectation, and you know it's it's a really good um, price. If the seller's not happy, um, it affects my own sort of you know feeling. So that's yeah, probably yeah. the most rewarding part, but it can also be the the. Most emotional thing as well is that there's it's a big decision for a seller and a buyer. it's the biggest transaction that they ever make. so if I had to pick something, it's that satisfaction that you get from seeing the other person really happy with the outcome that that that's probably my favorite part of it.
0: yeah, I think that's most um it's probably similar to most agents, and probably the one thing I do really regret and miss when i'm now that I'm out of the industry is that uh, that sense of um achievement that you have when you've got happy and elated customers on on either side of the coin. So um mate, I don't give it up because it's absolutely a brilliant feeling. Um, Makes sense. Now mate, I heard you're um before getting into real estate, you were a bit of a jazz pianist back in the day, am I right?
1: Yeah, I was a musician, mate. It's not a career natural career path to go from piano to real estate. Um, but I was, yeah, I studied, I got a scholarship to study jazz piano at the conservatorium and I was a, a struggling musician is probably the right word to use. I <laughs> tried to make a living from it. And the guys that I had a band with, all of those um, those uh, musicians are still full-time musicians. I'm the only one that went outside um, of yep. the industry. And, yeah, mate, it was definitely not something
0: that you would normally do. You don't go from music to real estate, that's for sure. And how did that actually eventuate? I mean, because you're right, it's not something that uh, you would usually do. So how did it transpire from... Um, your musical career, um, whether it's struggling or not, you were, You did have a career and and moving into real estate. How was the journey?
1: Yeah, it was unexpected, um, Will. So what happened was uh, I was struggling for income because in the music world, you don't really get paid very well unless you're in that sort of one top 1%. Um, so I had to find another job. And at that point, a friend of mine owned a car dealership. So I approached him and I said, look, I'm interested to just make some money during the day. What can you offer me? He said, Sure come on in. I'll give you a hundred dollars a car. Um, if you sell a car, you get a hundred bucks. Uh, and this was back in 99. So, you know, a hundred bucks back then. was Okay. Like, you know, today it doesn't sound like a great deal, but it was pretty good. So I said, yeah, I'll I'll take that. And, and the first few weeks I was selling about seven cars a week. There was no income. It was just based on sales. So I was making 700 bucks a week, give or take. Um, and at that time, it started to it, – it, I was always it's like I enjoyed sales or I had some form of sort of, I guess, ability to convey to people what I wanted to convey. So I was looking at real estate magazines while I was working in the car dealership. <laughs> now I look at car magazines that now that I'm in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so what happened was he's, uh, he came to me one day and said, look, um, you, it's great that you're here, but all the people that you're selling these cars to would normally come to me directly and buy them from me. So – I sort of don't need you here. I was like, okay. He goes, well, can you find another job? I said, well, yeah, I guess I have to. Um, yeah. so I then, I had, there was an ad in the paper that said, do you want to earn 250K a year, you know, have this great life balance, work-life balance. They got me with that. Um, I was about to say, I hope that, didn't, that wasn't real estate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was real estate, mate. And there was an agency in Toowong, which is a suburb of Brisbane, which I never knew anything about. So, anyway, I approached the guy. I sent him um, several emails, left messages. He'd never call me back. So, I sent him a cheeky text um, that said, you know, looking for someone that's you know highly motivated um and i said some things that didn't really make sense you know but he, he, he responded to that straight away he goes well i like your persistence come and see me I thought, great, and I had to look on the Refidex. Back then we had a Refidex (laughs) to find out where to go. So I looked on the Refidex. I didn't own a car, so I said to my dad, can I borrow your Mitsubishi Express van? He said, yeah, take it. So I took the van, didn't have a suit, um, you know, had the the most baggy trousers. I wore, a, would you believe, a Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck tie. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, That's all it was, so... Took that, went into the meeting, and the guy said, look, you know, you don't have the experience I'm looking for, but if you're willing to be my assistant, I'll take you on. And then if you do well, you can get into sales. So I took that job, and I was just basically the runaround guy in the office putting up signboards and doing rental inspections and whatever anyone told me to do. I was there to sort of um, perform those tasks. And after about six months, um, he offered me the job. It wasn't easy to get there, mate. Like, you know, um, for me, when I look back, uh, I have a much greater sense of appreciation for what i have now because to get to work i would wake up at 5:30 catch a bus from about 15 minutes walk from my place to the city uh, to cooperroo train station then i catch a train from cooperroo to brisbane city then i'd hop on another train to get to Tuong. so it was a long journey there and back and but that that taught me a lot about um i guess just being dedicated and and not being I guess, sensitive or fussy uh, about how you do things. So that that level of motivation that I had back then, I wish I had now. I don't think I'm even at that sort of same level of enthusiasm, but I think it helped set the benchmark of, hey, if, if you want to do well, you've got to be willing to to do the hard yards, and that taught me a, a good lesson.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, and not I don't know many top agents these days who haven't gone through the sort of trials and tribulations of the pain to get to where they are now. There's no... As they say, there's no magic pill. Um, hard work is what gets you there, and you're clearly one of those people um, who have put in the hard yards. And it brings me to my next question: um, If you could go all the way back to that first year in real estate, what would you have done differently? Is there anything that you would have done differently other than wear a Mickey Mouse tie to get the job? <laughs> I would have done. I would have done everything differently. Well, I mean,
1: I for 12 years. And I said this when I was speaking to John at Eric i mean if there was a if there was a keynote speaker on how not to do real estate, it would have been me i would have i would have got that gig because I was quite lost. I didn't have much direction um so you know the first twelve years, not through a lack of effort or a lack of intention, I always wanted to do well in this industry. I really didn't have a process, I lacked focus, and I didn't have any sort of i guess. Anyone around me that was performing well that I could look at and try and mimic. Um, so yeah, I, I would do a lot differently. I would I would narrow my focus. If I started today, and you said to me, "Hey, you're in a new city or new area," I would go, "Okay, let me first identify where I want to target," because what I was doing is well, I was targeting twenty thousand homes and it wasn't working for 12 years like that's how long it took me to to figure it out um so i would go in and say well rather than 20,000 i'm going to look for a 2000 property patch i think that's probably the max of what i could service um, and I would then be very consistent with the communication. So I'd have frequency of contact. I'd have letterbox drops. I'd be doing digital. Um, I'd be doing door knocking of, of of people, inviting them to the inspections. So just to have a more narrow focus, I think, would, was a big thing for me that has changed my career. If I could have my time again, I would have done that from the beginning and really invested more in market reports um, better quality content in the letterbox that's relevant to the audience, that's not showponying, that has a sort of a humble tone, but it's intelligent information that the the I guess homeowner will engage with. That would be my sort of I guess process and formula if I started again. Uh, and yeah. I, and I think you can replicate that. You can you can scale that. If I went to Sydney, I would do that, and I think I could build market share a lot quicker than my previous experience of. Spray and pray was the old (laughs) style of trying to get
0: something. Absolutely. Um, Now, fast forward 21 years, uh, you were named uh, the top residential agent in Queensland at the 2020 Annual REA Excellence Awards. Now, you don't reach that level of success without a huge level of focus and commitment, which you've just alluded to briefly. What do you think the key factors are to getting that achievement and that accolade? I think it's uh, it's different for everyone,
1: mate. There's so I think you can take different paths to get to a very similar journey or ending destination. Uh, for me, it was persistence. You know, if I, I almost gave up in 2011, we had the floods here in Brisbane and mm-hmm. I was financially crippled. Um, and at that point, I wanted to find another job. So I just said, oh, I can't do this. I'm, You know, I'm obviously not cut for it. What can I do that's less stressful but also gives me some sort of stability in my life, some income that I know what's coming in. And I almost left to become a pharmaceutical rep. And if I made that decision, I don't think I would have enjoyed the same sort of, I guess, success, if you could call it that, that, I'm, that I've am that i experienced in, in real estate. So um, persistence was really big. And then the other thing for me that changed was having a vision of where I want to get to and not expecting an outcome from every activity I did. I think in this industry, often we do something, whether it's a letterbox drop or a call, and there's an expectation that every action should result in a positive outcome. And I had to change and recalibrate my mind and say, well, no, I'm just going to focus on giving great service adding value to every interaction I have, whether it's with a seller, a buyer or a tenant, treat everyone equally and build a brand, a profile of trust, integrity and and being upfront with people. So that was sort of the concept of what we did. And and you don't win all of them. I I still lose. I've lost many and I think I'll always lose um, listings and so on. But the mindset change that, you know, that whole – expect, you know, the delayed gratification is what I had to start to practice is just do the work and the 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 results will come and have yeah. trust in the process. And that that changed my business and being more persistent with what I did and having clear focus in terms of the process was important to me because now we're very structured in our promotion of, of ourself, our brand and our properties. We know exactly what we're doing every week, every month.
0: We've got a set agenda to get to that. And I've got some questions uh, about that in a few moments, but uh, I guess for all the listeners, and I get this all the time, particularly when I was in real estate, eighteen months in, and everyone wants to be the number one agent wherever they are. Um, and look, some of them have done it, and and they're the they're the freaks out there. Um, and I think that it just takes persistence, hard work, um, and time in the game. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't win this game of real estate. There's actually no winning because it doesn't end; it just keeps going. So. That's one of my frustrations in real estate is that we all beat our chests and say I'm the best and I'm this and I'm that. What, what are you the best at? Like, what, what are you comparing yourself to? Just focus on your lane and uh, and whatever success is to you um, and that, that's it. To me, let, let's stop looking outside of our lane and just focus on what works for us. And you've clearly done that but then all of a sudden that comes around and you now are the number one agent in Queensland. So, mate, it's a seriously good feat. I really commend you for that. Oh, you're a legend. Thanks, Will. Appreciate that, mate. Now, in the past 18 months, it uh, goes without saying, the, the industry and the world itself has changed dramatically. Um, have you done anything differently? What have you changed in your business to adapt um, to the, 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 ever, the ever-changing world that we've got out there? Yeah,
1: it has changed. Um, and I think in Queensland and Brisbane, we've been somewhat buffered or sort of um, I guess we're not as exposed to the limitations that Melbourne or Sydney or New South Wales and Victoria have experienced. Um, We still had to change. We had to pivot the way we were operating. Technology has become a much bigger part of our process and we we had to evolve to be able to service the buyer. We're selling a lot of property right now to Melbourne Sydney buyers through WhatsApp and FaceTime videos using uh, the iPhone on a gimbal. Um, So I'm doing that almost on a daily basis to outside of area buyers. Um, technology has been big, you know, focusing really strongly on digital, because I believe that's the future of real estate. It, it is the present of real estate, but I think it's only going to continue to grow. Um, then the other thing that changed for me at the early stages of the pandemic was I had more free time, which I hadn't had for a while. I was sort of running a little bit sort of out of control until it happened. And then it got to a point where I got to slow down a bit, and I think I needed that I was rushing every conversation because I had a backlog of calls and emails to get back to. So whoever I spoke with, I was like just trying to get off the phone. I was like, okay, where are we at now? Let's finish it up. So that that changed a lot. You know, I got to sit down patiently, listen intently to what the other person's saying, build stronger relationships with them. Um, that helped a lot, I think, to recalibrate the way we operated. Uh, having a greater appreciation and being grateful is big in my world, mate. That's that's. I try and practice that every morning. Every morning I wake up. I, I'm a bit of a sun worshiper, so I'll try and look at the sun, and just and I I'll put a YouTube video to of uh, it's like a meditation video of gratitude. That's helped me a lot, mate. Because I think, yeah, you, you know, it's it's you can achieve everything in this industry and still not be happy. It doesn't matter what you have. Happiness doesn't come from GCI. Doesn't come from a big house or a nice car. Um, doesn't come from any any of those material external things. And and for me, the the main thing is perspective. That's number one. If you can change your perspective, your life will change because your perspective influences how you feel. How you feel influences what you do, your actions, and your actions then ultimately influence your life outcomes. So if we reverse engineered the outcome, it starts with perspective, and I just had to change, and not to say that I was doing it too badly, but I had to be grateful for everything. Even when I lose a listing now, I, I actually try and practice gratitude for that. I'm saying, well, thank you. That was a good lesson. Um, because it's it's an emotional roller coaster will. You've been there before. It's it's a really It's a wild ride in real estate. And if you are up and down with every outcome, you know, miss that listing or this one or whatever, you're going to have a pretty tough time living um, in real estate. And I've gone through anxiety and things like that, which you and I have briefly discussed. So for me, it's that perspective and practising gratitude every day and being appreciative of just normal things. I can walk, I can see all these things that we take for granted they're the more important things,
0: not not the real estate world of transactions. Mate, it's music to my ears and uh, I really do love hearing that from, uh, from a fellow agent because, as you would know, you look out on social media land and the real estate landscape is not great when you look at, you know, who people aspire to be like, the sunnies, the helicopters, the boats, the everything material that is completely the opposite of what you said and what I believe in. So I think that the industry does need to change fairly quickly because too many people get caught up in that and get spat out the other end and and then blame the industry for that. And in actual fact, it's not really the industry's fault. It's their own fault. Um, but who's going to look in the mirror and blame themselves for anything, hey, these days? Very true, mate. I think we've got to read the room better as an industry. Um, a
1: lot of people are struggling out there. I mean, in real estate, agents are doing Better than what they did prior to the pandemic in many cases, not everywhere, but in most cases. But a lot of other industries uh, have been absolutely absolutely smashed. Whether yeah. it's hospitality or tourism, and and no one wants to see show ponies. Like it's it's that's that's it's not nice, and it and it reflects reflects poorly on everyone else. That's the that's the problem. So they put agents in the category of pardon the. French but wankers okay. because of the way we act on social media of look at my car or my watch or my boat or
0: and that's in in
1: essence we're not all like that and I hope that as an industry we can become better humans and be regarded more highly because there's a lot of great people in real estate there's some really down-to-earth genuine human beings um, but unfortunately the people that are getting the most attention are the ones yeah. that are sort of, yeah, acting in a
0: different manner. Exactly right. Um, now, uh, we did touch on it, but from your point of view, um, at some stage, and I don't know whether it will ever, ever be over, but this COVID world we, world we, we live in will hopefully um, sort of start to filter out and we'll come back to some level of normality, however that is. What technology do you think is here to stay and what are you using that you think you'll continue to use moving forward? Um, definitely uh,
1: WhatsApp walkthroughs and FaceTimes, because even when travel comes back, if it does come back in the short term, um, not many people are willing to make that trip anymore. You can do Zoom meetings. You know, but I used to have to travel to Sydney to do a presentation for our network. Um, those days are over. But we can do things by Zoom. It's much more efficient. So I think the tech stuff is really big, and the Zoom is one that we use quite regularly. Some sellers might be... You know, at home or not available to to meet with us, and we'll say, well, why don't we just do it over the Zooms? Um, so I think that the tech stuff's really big. The walkthroughs—I think every agent should buy should buy a gimbal to put their phone on because if you're doing a walkthrough, at least you can keep the camera still. Um, that's been a big investment in what we're doing. Um, those those things, I think—I don't think they'll change. I don't think we're going to go back to the world of travel for a meeting. You know, for two-hour presentations. I think from now on those days are over even when things go back to normal the new normal now is the technology has taken over those those those
0: processes yeah well said And i tend to agree um now obviously we are a tech business so i'm careful when i ask you this question but you would probably get hounded daily by emails probably even calls from certain tech companies out there trying to break into the real estate industry because it is a fairly profitable um industry um how do you know what to take on, what to look at, what not to? I mean, have you got a sort of? Do you get hounded? That's my first question. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You do. I think most agents do get sort of um, approached to to sell different tech tools. Um, yeah. But I, and I guess it'll change. Well, like as we evolve, there'll be other platforms that I'm not familiar with that I'll have to adapt with and start to implement in our own process. The way I judge those things. Uh, right now we've got some formula or process with how we transact it's not the best because there's never the best i think there's mm-hmm. always a, a, an element of or room for improvement the way i approach like for example i had social media people have contacted me to try and manage my accounts for for years and i get emails texts you know messages on instagram constantly mm-hmm. um how i judge those is not a uh, something that i recommend to others i'm I'm more judging the personality of who I'm dealing with. Like, how are they communicating with me? What's Are they polite? You know, I get some guys that send me a message on Instagram, we can do this, this and this, grow your followers, and I haven't responded in a day. And the next message is question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, Whoa, okay, that's probably not the right person for me. Um, so I had a guy, a lovely guy, um, that approached me about, I don't know, five, six months ago. I thought I was already pretty cool with what we were doing. And the way he pitched himself it just gave me so much confidence and it and it's interesting as a real estate agent because I'm learning every day and I just thought to myself, wow, I'm not choosing this guy based on how big he is or his brand or how successful he is or even what he can potentially do for me. I'm choosing him because I like him and I can yeah. trust him and he seems like a genuine guy and that's all I wanted. I wanted someone genuine that I can rely upon uh, and if they're not the best, that's cool, they can become the best, but I'd rather deal with that person than someone that might be the hot shot, but isn't really giving me that sort of personalized service. So I chose this gentleman, this guy, his name is Bailey, just the way he was interacting with me. He was very persistent. He was following up, but very polite and genuine, never talked a big game. And I just, I love that. I love when people don't talk it up. I'm like, okay, this is the sort of guy I want to, I want to
0: deal with. So I've jumped in with him and it's been a great decision. It's funny because that sounds exactly like you. So you, you tend to gravitate to the people that are like you. And to me, everything you've just described is probably who you are. Yeah, he's better at it than I am. I've actually
1: learned it. <laughs> I'm learning from him. Um, he's been a lot more patient than I than I would have been. But that yeah. persistence was one thing that I really – so I said no to him maybe five times. And that, that's, that, that's a message for agents as well, I think, because if you get a no and you give up – then you probably haven't really explored the possibility. You're going to get nos in this industry, but that doesn't mean you go back with with ego or aggression or anything like that. You go back with humility. You go back with with respect um, and politeness. And eventually, he got my business after five nos. So, yep. uh, yeah. and, and the way he treated me, I just thought, mate, I, I, you've been such a nice guy. but I don't really care how good you are. Um, you're my guy. I'll take it. Um, yeah. and, that, that, and that applies to our industry too, I think. A lot of us when we we get a no, whether it's at a you know a call that we make and we get rejected, we ended there. We're like, okay, that was that didn't work. but it's that's not the case. I mean, there's ages ago, there was some statistics done on how many nos it it takes to get a yes. Uh, and sometimes it's a journey of nos before you get to a yes. So yeah. I think that approach gave me a bit more insight as to, okay, Hey, be more persistent, but with respect and courtesy and not with, with ego. Because if you go to someone and
0: you treat them the way that, oh, I guess, you you don't want to be treated, you'll never get the reaction you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're the most rewarding ones, by the way, the ones that say no that many times that you you, you somehow use your charm or, you, like you said, your personality to turn them around or offer something that's something they're not aware of. And they say, yes, how good does that feel? That made my some of my best clients, the strongest relationships that I've formed
1: to friendships have come from a series of no's before the yeah. yes. So if I had given up after the second or third no, I would never have that relationship. And some of these clients, I've sold, you know, 15, $20 million of real estate for them in the last 10, 15 years. But the first interaction was not a good one at all. It was a real negative. Um, So you're right. They're they're the ones that mean the most. And sometimes they're the, the ones
0: that give you the most as well. And uh, Having said that, I wouldn't be married to the woman I am if I took no for the first answer. <laughs> you would have to try again. You can you
1: Maybe in that instance, if it's a no, you walk away. It's applied to
0: everything in life, but that might be the one thing you can't you can't push back on. I was a young fellow, a young pup in real estate at the time, and I just wasn't taking no for an answer, no matter what what it was. So uh, anyway, uh, we move on, mate. I um, one more question, sort of on the technology front. Um, You know, you hear, and I know going to Eric a couple of years ago. Technology, technology. Where's our job going to be um, as far as technology is concerned? The human to human element is that is that going to disappear? What are your thoughts around technology whilst remaining you know relevant as and and that human to human um, element in real estate?
1: That's a great question, Will. I'm actually reading a book currently by the chairman of the World Economic Forum called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Klaus Schwab is the author, and he's talking about the next eight years and how life is going to change for all of us. Um, In real estate, though, I I do believe that the human-to-human interaction is a vital component that I don't think will get phased out in the next eight years. Um, I do believe that a lot of our processes will change. In some industries, we'll go paperless. I mean, even today, we don't do contracts by any other form but by, by sign. We're docu signing everything. Um, and that's a digital thing, once again, that sort of evolved after the pandemic, uh, and that'll continue. Um, but I do believe that there's a role in AI, and from what I'm reading, there's going to be driverless cars out there. Um, you know, humans, I think, in eight years' time, will won't be allowed on the road to drive from what I'm what I'm reading because the robots will be so intelligent that they can pass each other you know within a centimeter and a human just not going to be able to keep up with that on the road so we'll become a danger to to the road and eventually once the robots take over but I just don't think they're going to ever get to a point not in the short term anyway where the the transaction is managed by By technology completely, because that interaction between human to human is what builds trust. It and you can't, and I don't know how smart AI is going to get. AI is probably going to get extremely powerful, as Elon Musk has warned us. But in in my experience, there's an element of human-to-human interaction where you can sort of read things, you can read the emotion, you can read the response. Often we fish for the the person's position, so I'll just throw something out and I'll gauge how they respond, how quickly they talk, what they say back, the words that they use, you know, the tone, and I think, okay, well, they're not on board with that, or they are. Those nuances, I guess eventually AI will be able to pick up, but I don't know if AI is ever going to form that bond with a human that overcomes the need for the human. So I'm still hopeful. Maybe I'm just dreaming that my job (laughs) won't be phased out. I might (laughs) might be wrong, mate. I might be wrong. Um, but, But I don't think in the short term we're going to see that in our industry. I think technology will take the industry to a different level. There'll be certain things that we do that we might not do the same way. It's already happening now. But that interaction between buyer and agent or seller and agent, I think that'll
0: be maintained in our lifetime anyway. That's my view. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think I'll be asking my kids to get into the real estate industry because by then, um, yep, I think it might be shut up shop. But uh, while you and I are still on the planet, I think we're safe. Um, So, Moving forward to something that you touched on before, and and I think you know this is a, a big part of what I believe in and 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 my life. But mental health, um, we talk about, for lack of a better phrase, the showboats in the industry, um, and we've already touched on that. But mental health, anxiety, depression, all of the above, um, I think is rife in this real estate industry, and 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 I've 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 seen it more and more given my new role because I do speak with agents all day, every day now, and. Um, A lot of them know my challenges, so therefore they open up to me more than they probably would the average person. And you and I have touched on it briefly in the past. Um, How how do agents form a work-life, health-life, work-health, whatever balance you want to call it? What do you do? And I know you touched on your gratitude earlier, which is probably a big part, but how do you keep out of the depths of uh, those illnesses?
1: Oh, I'm not sure if I'm the benchmark for anyone to follow because I'm still trying to figure it out. Depression and anxiety is something that unless you experience it yourself, you don't really understand. So to be, I guess, empathetic to others is important, even to your clients. I've I've got a client that's about to list and and they have um similar challenges, and I know that because they've shared that with me. Mm-hmm. And I've just got to I've just got to be much more sensitive towards it. You know, I might get a message late at night where they're going through a panic attack about the campaign. Um, and, you know, if I didn't have sort of empathy towards that, the relationship would be broken. So to have, I think, empathy is really important for the next person. You know, be, you know, when when you're in a dark spot, it's not because your life's bad. You might have the best life ever, beautiful children, sunshine outside, Nice house, nice car, that doesn't matter. When it's dark, it's damn dark. And it's not just the external world that will change it. It's That's my experience. It's internally. It might be hormones or, you know, chemicals, imbalances in your brain. There's all sorts of things. I think for me, perspective is number one. Anytime I fall into that trap of depression, anxiety, I look at myself and go, what are you worried about? do you have a family? Yes, you do. Do you have a home? Yes, you do. Can you afford to eat? Yes, you can. Can you walk? Yes. Can you see? Yes. Um, then you're doing pretty well. So shut up, Alex. Um, and I have to just fight myself. This is an internal battle Mm -hmm. of telling myself just, Hey, and look, sometimes it doesn't work. Some days, You'd say all those things, and it's just your mood is not right. And I do, I try and do things to snap me out of it. Like I'll have a cold shower or whatever that I can do to try and recalibrate myself. But I think most importantly, personally, perspective, gratitude, gratitude for everything. Everything. Uh, if you can practice gratitude as a standard in your life, it becomes less, I, I guess, um, dark. I, I find doesn't matter what happens, you can always be grateful for something. Perspective is important um, because you can be in a, you can be in a Rolls Royce and be depressed that you you don't have a helicopter, or <laughs> you could be sleeping in the most dodgy hotel, two star hotel, um, and be grateful that you've got a bed and a pillow. So that's perspective. So if I can always look at the world through those lens, through that lens, then nothing in my life is a problem. I'm, I've got it great. So I can't complain. And with others, it's about empathy for me and putting myself in their shoes. and people got to understand if someone's going through that, you've, you've got to, you've got to, you can't snap them out of it. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty hard thing. Like some people don't get it. Like I have colleagues and friends and they're like, Oh, why is he depressed? He's got all these nice things. And, you know yeah. just think positively well no mate it's not that simple if it was everyone would do it uh, yeah. but i think having empathy for that for that person and and being very understanding and caring towards it um and sensitive because you got to you got to watch what you say and how you say it otherwise you're going to have problems so that's taught me a lot and i'm still it's a journey there's never a destination i'll never get there i'm still going to be on the journey for probably ever um, but it has taught me my own issues and health issues have given me a little bit of insight as to how I can treat
0: others in a better better manner. That's a great answer, and I uh, I love listening to that because um, it resonates really well with me. So um, thank you, mate. That's very kind of you. Um, Pleasure, mate. No worries. Now, uh, moving on to back to, to real estate. Um, now, goes without saying, you obviously write a fair bit of GCI um, many agents do strive to, to write big numbers, and having an awesome team around you, and I can say this firsthand from experience, um, is one thing, but being a great delegator um, is a- undoubtedly the way to achieve the goal that you want to achieve. So what are some things that you hand over to your team that you, in years gone by, when you're on your own, that you would have done yourself?
1: Yeah, good, good question, Will. <laughs> I think in this industry, if you want to get to big numbers, whatever we call that, it's very difficult, almost impossible to do it on your own. You do need a team. You need a dedicated team that's that's got alignment with your values. I think that's really important. If you choose someone just based on their performance, but they don't have the same sort of values, that, that can create a big clash. Um, the way that we structure our business in terms of the agents that I work with, is very geographically focused. So what I did in the suburb that I started to focus on, which is called Indooroopilly, I I followed the same business model formula in that suburb to scale the business to the neighbouring suburbs with the help of team members. So the way that we do it is, for example, Nathan, my colleague, he looks after a suburb next to Indrapilly called St Lucia. So his job is to create profile and build market share in that area using my name and his name, he'll then get the lead, we'll go and list it together if we're successful, and we'll then split the commission between us. So I've been able to then um, team up with really talented people to be able to scale the business, the same business model, same formula, same process, but just with the help of others, Expanding that geographically, last year we wrote just over six point one for the for the um financial year. And this year, in the first two months, we've just over two million for for this financial year. but we're struggling for stock at the moment. Our supply supply is really low in Brisbane, and we've sort of um I guess we've sold a bit and now we're struggling to meet the demand. So the next month is going to be, Challenging. We won't be able to perform. We just don't have the the supply. Um, but the team. I guess the team um, scenario. Without the team, I couldn't write anywhere near what I'm doing. I'd be struggling to break three on my own because it's with their support and their sort of uh, I guess help that I've been able to scale this business. And that that's the intention. If there's if there's an intention of growth, that's the way to do it. I, I never have any sort of benchmarks. Of I want to write, you know, 5 million or whatever, 10 million. I never have that in my head. I do look at market share as our main KPI. So all I'm looking at is to be the dominant agent based on market share in all of the key suburbs that we look after. And if we can do that, then the byproduct is a pretty strong business. That's the only the KPI
0: that I focus on, is market share. Yeah, it's a good one because it, when the stock goes down, your numbers are naturally going to go down. If you focus on GCI, then then you're going to just disappoint yourself. But if the stock is halved and you still retain your market share, <clears throat> that's a promising sign that when it comes back, your market share is going to um, stay the same, but you're going to get more stock. So. I think that's a really good way to do that. You better better indicator
1: <laughs> than, than GCI because GCI is governed by supply volume. It's governed by how transactional the market is. But K, the KPI of market share is, for me, a lot more accurate because you know how you're tracking based on that a lot clearer
0: than you would if you were just GCI-based. You are. Um, and, look, congratulations on those numbers. As I maintain from earlier, 22 years of hard work is what's got you to where you are now. Could you have fast-tracked that? I'm sure you could have, but it's all a journey and it's all a learning process. And if you went and did it in Sydney, you'd probably do it in a couple of years. That's not the point. The point is it's been a journey and uh, and it's made you the humble human being that you are, I, I believe, anyway. Well, I appreciate the kind comment, mate, and I don't want any agents that are listening to this to
1: think that it takes that long. You can do it faster. There's no doubt. Look at some of the other guys, what they've done in three or four years or even in two years. So if you want to, there's a much better – Path to follow than than what I had in my sort of career, and you'll get there quicker than I did. So I don't want anyone to think that oh, it's a long journey. It's going to take me ten years. No, no, you're listening to a guy that did it wrong for twelve years. So <laughs> that first twelve years was not. If you don't factor that in, the next the next uh, ten years was a much better a much better outcome.
0: Yeah, but I think someone like you who who knows what it was like to not be. A top agent, it just makes you all the more, and we use your word, great grateful or your gratitude towards where you are right now is much higher than someone who has done in two or three years and they don't see any different. Um, And they've probably ripped off what you do now anyway. So that's the beauty of real estate is that you can look at top agents like yourself and go, "Hey, Alex, what do you do?" Which you're sharing right now, and just go and do it. Um, Now the persistence and the consistency behind it's probably the challenge for most people but there is a template that works and you've just told us about what it is yeah i agree with you mate exactly um now i've got some rapid fire questions that i do ask all my guests they're one word okay. answers so uh that okay. could be easy or hard depending on how you look sure. at it but mate i think you've already answered this but what is the what is your zen thing that you do uh meditation yep what's the best dish that you can make ooh i would say
1: A steak, a rip fillet, I'll specify. (laughs) Very well done. Now, do you prefer to read the book or watch the movie? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Read the book um, because I can visualise something to my liking, but I like to read the book first and then watch the movie if I had to choose. Yeah, well said. Um, Who do you look up to? I look up to... I look up to John McGrath, and you know, I, I like the way he communicates. I like his values that that he sort of preaches to us. So I would say John would be up there with my with my pick.
0: Great. Right. And to finish off, um, I ask all my guests this because it is called the Better Agent Series. So, what is your holy grail one tip for all of our listeners to make them better agents? In a one word, will <laughs> no, 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 no. We've moved okay. on. Apologies. You okay, can elaborate okay. as much as you um, want, mate. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm
1: gonna have to say narrow your BDA. So we're talking identify the area, of, be consistent with your communication, drop quality marketing material that's relevant to the audience, that's intelligent and that has a humble tone, and layer that with your social media, layer that with your digital marketing layer that with your door knocking to invite them to every open house. Um, That, for me, is a good business model to create credibility and profile within a
0: certain geographic area. Awesome. Fantastic tips. Alex Jordan, an absolute gentleman of the industry. Uh, We've been uh, friends for the last few years, as I said, since I was at McGrath, and I genuinely do feel like I'm a better person for having known you. And um, I'm sure that's the reason why you are such a successful agent um and friend to many so thank you so much for all of your help today i'm sure our listeners great. will get a lot out of it um you're a gentleman as i said a great person in the industry and uh, keep up with your work thank you mate